0: All right, so we're back for another uh, episode of Cutting Room Floor, leaning into still sort of the Old Testament, New Testament, Torah. How do we make sense of maybe some of the perceived differences Mm -hmm. um, that we see uh, in the New Testament uh, and the Old, or or even maybe not perceived, but sort of assumed differences between the two and lean into. Is there really discontinuity, or is that... Amiss.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I think it's it's a real question because I think, especially like on our first reading or just even kind of a surface level approach to both Old and New Testament, it seems like oftentimes the Old Testament depiction of God is, you know, angry, judgmental, harsh. There's a lot of, you know, weird stuff that happens yeah. as far as violence goes. You get to Jesus and we love a lot of the portraits of Jesus as far as how he's treating people, his you know, Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. Yeah, you know, his forgiving of, you know, the people that are really far out there as far as society goes. Yeah. And so then how do you like merge, you know, those two uh, together? And I think there's a couple things that we can talk about here, but I think okay. just one sort of kind of default assumption that like I want to have as I approach the scriptures is that, Approaching them with the attitude that when I perceive that there is a contradiction to not just assume that that's a problem with the text, but assume mm. that maybe that's something that I have to work through as far as my own understanding goes. Okay. And so this uh, gets at the posture of people talk about having either a, her- a hermeneutic of charity or a hermeneutic of suspicion, hermeneutic just meaning like, mm. you know, how we study or approach yeah. or interpret the Bible. And so a hermeneutic of charity is more recognizing that I'm going to approach this text with an attitude of like, you know, grace and, you know, not thinking that I'm going to master it right away versus suspicion is, you know, I don't know about this. I know more that sort of thing, That's just kind of more kind of preliminary, you know, from the get go. Um, But I think maybe to kind of push a little bit on how the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God is depicted is maybe just even start with Jesus himself and looking at the portrait of of who Jesus is. Because again, a lot of people have this idea of Jesus and I think it's, you know, mostly rightly conceived that he's, you know uber forgiving and compassionate and gracious, all these sorts of things. Just, you know, pick your story of choice, you know, in the four gospels. But then oftentimes people don't remember or recognize that Jesus more than any other character in all of scripture spoke about hell more than anyone else. And so they're right, uh, you know, in the forefront is a concept or an idea that theologically speaking, and as Christians, we have a hard time you know, wrestling with ourselves. Yeah. Right. We don't like talking about hell. We don't yeah. like talking about judgment. Yeah. But again, more than any other person in Scripture you like know by a long by shot by a long shot like exactly not even close so like Matthew 5 a couple times in the sermon on the mount Jesus uses the language of hell yeah. and all the different ways that he alludes to hell whether it's you know the worm that you know doesn't die or yeah. the fire that doesn't quench or the the complete and utter darkness all these sort of images to describe like this idea of hell I and mean, we could do a yeah, whole other yeah. podcast and nuance what exactly he's talking about but whatever he's talking about it's not good yeah. i think we can all agree upon that
0: yeah and it seems like some of this results from you know, if you don't read the gospels in their entirety mm-hmm. and you just get snippets yeah. of like, oh, I love this teaching or this encounter of Jesus with this person, you think, "Oh, that's awesome." But then if you read the whole yeah. gospel, you realize, "Oh, there's a lot of stuff Jesus has yours that's really intense yes. and really challenging."
1: Totally. And there's a, even kind of this kind of piggybacks on this idea of, of how Jesus talks about hell or is talking yeah. about hell. He says things like this in Matthew 10, do, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? And so, I mean, no one's putting that on their memory verse, you know, yeah. on their fridge or whatever. <laughs> um, and then he has this language of Matthew 18. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. Yeah. And so, again, this is merging this idea of hell also with this idea of taking sin seriously. Yeah. And so not only is Jesus talking about hell a lot, he's also talking about how we deal with sin yeah. in a very upfront
0: yeah. and direct yeah, sort I mean, of way. Yeah, he calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Exactly, Matthew 23. And you're totally. just like, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, you're, like, you look wow, great on the outside, but so you're like intense. rotting bones yeah.
1: on the inside. Um so I mean there's yeah. that's And the we of,
0: like that Jesus said it to someone else. Yeah. But imagine he's saying it to you.
1: Totally. Yeah. And it's not without question that Jesus yeah. would ever say that to yeah, one yeah. of his followers, right? Yeah. And I think that's where we just have to be careful with Jesus
0: says to Peter get behind me Satan. Satan. Totally. Yes. <laughs> and this is it's
1: important to recognize that Jesus says a lot of these different things. So there's the hell, the sin sort of yeah. bucket There's also this idea, this is again related to it, but Jesus has a lot to say about judgment just in general, whether he's directly referencing hell or not. So a lot of the woe language in Matthew 23, in Matthew 11, there's different cities that aren't repenting or aren't coming to recognize who he is. And he says, woe to you Corazon, woe to you Bethsaida. And he actually says something that's terrifying to a certain degree. He says that it's going to be actually better for Sodom and Gomorrah Referencing back to Genesis eighteen and nineteen, which was that's a complete train wreck yeah. as far as their behavior goes, but compared to these other cities, Crozzone Bethsaida, yeah. on the day of judgment. And so again, there's this. And those
0: are like in Galilee. In
1: Galilee, right? These are this the towns that you yeah. know, the neighborhoods, the county, if you will, yeah. that Jesus grew up in. In to the a first certain century, extent. they
0: called it the Rabbinic Triangle. Yeah, that's where like some of the most faithful people. Totally
1: were. or exactly, and he has again these really harsh sort of you know they are pure harsh to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, a couple other things, you know, this does, it's not just Jesus as far as the four Gospels are concerned, but the way even sometimes Paul and the other New Testament writers yeah. talk about Jesus. Um, so, I mean, these are just, again, verses no one really likes to, you know, frame or whatever, but Second Thessalonians 1 verse 8 or verse 7 and following says that when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus... And so again, this language of vengeance and judgment—we don't necessarily like talking about, you know, that part of who Jesus is. You know, the Book of Revelation—I don't necessarily get too much into that, but there's, you know, obviously different ways people look at that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's pretty, you know, common or at least basic is that there's language about quote the wrath of the Lamb," Mm -hmm. so referring to Jesus. So whatever that necessarily means or looks like, there's this level of seriousness attached to who Jesus is and the judgment that comes with who Jesus is. And so all that to say, this is kind of, you know, a roundabout way of getting at this idea that the picture of Jesus that sometimes we might have is like meek and mild and holding a lamb. Exactly. Like there's a place for that, but I think you have to merge that with these other aspects of who Jesus is, that he does take sin seriously. And again, this is from a place of his love. This is from a place of wanting the best for his people. And it grieves his heart. There's that line where he looks over Jerusalem and he, he's he's like weeping and he's like, as a mother hen, I wanted to gather you as children you know, under my wing. So it's all from a place of that posture of love. Now, there's that's the New Testament side. I just want to quickly talk about the Old yeah, Testament side good. a little bit. So the depiction of God in the Old Testament is like this angry, ferocious, judgmental, you know, being or whatever. Yeah. But what's interesting is when you actually look at the Old Testament, the most common way the Bible talks or describes God, as far as like if you were to give a list of attributes, Exodus 34, 6, and 7, we've talked about this. The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding and steadfast love yeah. and faithfulness.
0: And you see that in the narrative, God's continued yes. like tolerance. Mm-hmm of a people that are constantly disobeying his word, doing their own thing yes. when he is going out of his way to rescue them.
1: Totally. And so the, in the context, Exodus 34, six and seven just comes on the heels of the golden calf debacle where yeah. Israel completely rebelled after just receiving the divine instructions not to have any other gods <laughs> and to have no other idols. And so it's in this moment, God reveals himself as yeah. gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, loyal love. Yeah. And this verse is essentially, we have John 3:16 as Christians today as yeah. like the most quoted verse. For the Old Testament writers, this was the most quoted verse yeah. that they have. So it's repeated all throughout the Old Testament numerous times as a way of the Old Testament writers wanting to anchor their audience in: this is who God is. This is the, the fundamental aspect, the fundamental portrait of the character of God, gracious, compassionate, so on and so forth. Now, I just kind of bring those two together to push both on the caricature on the New Testament side yeah. of Jesus being like meek and mild all the time yeah. and the caricature of the Old Testament side of God being this angry, That's kind good. of vindictive sort of person. Yeah. But I think kind of bringing them together, maybe just to close, is to recognize that both, I think sometimes as modern people, we have the, a tendency to struggle with the love and the justice of God and how they go together. Okay. And I think it's important to see that the justice or the judgment of God, the confrontation of God, as far as, you know, our sin and human rebellion, that's coming from a place of God's covenant love for his people. And that indifference is actually, would be worse. If God just said, okay, I'm just going to let it go, do whatever you want. Think about a parent to a child. You know, I don't care anymore what you do. But as a loving parent, as best we can, although imperfectly, we want to step in and intervene when our children perhaps go the wrong way or doing something that isn't honoring or yeah. whatever the case might be.
0: Post-Holocaust, Post-Holo- Elie Wiesel once said, the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. Indifference,
1: Exactly. And so I think recognizing that what you see sometimes perhaps might be as harsh or however we might conceive of it in our Western sort of mindset is actually the love and the compassion of God confronting his people where they're at and saying, this is not okay. This is not in line with what I had planned in yeah. Genesis one and two, and that something needs to change. Yeah. And that's from God's perspective right? That this is a God of love and compassion who, yes, will confront his people in in their sin. Yeah. And we need to kind of reclaim that, if you will, especially in our context, which gets to maybe the last thing here, is that again, as Westerners, we have just a really difficult time with yeah. a God who would confront me in my sin. And so we look at some of these stories and go like, that seems harsh. I hope God never does that to me. Yeah. But to recognize that you know, for God to be God means that there fundamentally is going to be some difference between mm. this God and who I am yeah. and how I'm behaving and acting and living my life and what God is calling me yeah. uh, to, to we're do not and equals. be. We're not equals. Exactly. Yeah. And I think so much of our depiction of God reclaiming and re-recognizing, if you will, this aspect of God's transcendence, God's holiness, God's okay. goodness is something that to be honest, I think from, again, my own anecdotal perspective yeah. is somewhat lost yeah. in our sort of modern Western totally. kind of comfortable Christianity yeah. at times.
0: One of the things that strikes me as you're talking, Aaron, is this idea that like Jesus read
1: yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jesus read the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. That was his, his Bible. His Bible, totally. And I, there's no hint of him experiencing discontinuity yes. between his life and behavior and the scriptures totally. he read. yeah. So, it's this interesting thing that, like, I think sometimes we actually take the words of Jesus and we think, oh, look at this God in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is the one who said those words. Totally. And he did not see any discontinuity. Totally. Yes. Uh, So, I think Jesus really comes from this place of he doesn't separate the love and justice of God. Totally. He actually sees these stories. And Paul says this too. Like, these stories are written so that Mm -hmm. we don't make the same mistakes the same mistakes exactly And I think sometimes we have these moments where we see God being really intense and I think in some ways it's hard in that present mm. but it's a gift to us Oh yeah because for sure. now we know oh this is really a big deal Totally yes Like if God had just said no big deal then we might think no big deal No, big, exactly. And yes. it's like no 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 what it does is especially in the story and in the narrative it communicates to us in Jesus' words and in the Old Testament this matters Yeah
1: this matters. Our holiness, our sanctification, our discipleship to Jesus matters. Yeah. And it's not just what feels good or what's comfortable for me. There's going to be challenges as far as what God's word often says and what, how my life is aligning. Totally and right. when those confrontations, maybe there's a better word for that, but when those sort of differences come yeah, up, the lack, of alignment. the lack of alignment, that's probably a better way of saying it, come up. The question is, as a follower of Jesus, will I submit? Will I follow? Will yeah. I trust in that moment? That's so, good. Yeah. Thanks,
0: man.